All right, awesome. Guys, um, so good to see you. We had such an amazing weekend last weekend with our grand opening. Uh, we, had, we had over 375 people in this room uh, in worship. We had 133 kids next door, which is nuts. We got 43 youth show up. We uh, ate 700 breakfast tacos. Some of my youth may have played a role in that. I, think, I, think I heard somebody ate at least seven. Uh, which I was like, way to go, one one-hundredth of what we made. Man, really appreciate that. That was awesome. And uh, Because we didn't want any leftovers, so we're, we're super pumped. But um, really, uh, it was a great weekend. We're so thankful for you being there, for those that served. And, uh, and many of you came back, and that's, that's, that's awesome. And so um, here's what we did. Last week, we dove into a brand new series called Gospel Partners. And it's all based uh, in a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I'm going to ask for two favors. Uh, one, if you have a Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, two, is um, we're going to ask you to take notes. We don't really apologize about this. It's something that we do. Um, we believe uh, that worship is a participatory sport. So uh, when we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we're actually going to study it. So two ways you can take notes. If you got a bulletin, uh, when you came in, there's some fill-in-the-blank notes. If that's, uh, if that's you, there's a pen uh, in, in, uh, in, the, in the chair in front of you, probably, most likely. There might be one, or you've got one somewhere else. So you can uh, take those, or you can use our digital notes, which are up on the screen. Again, uh, phones, uh, camera apps, uh, point at the QR code. It'll bring up a link, and uh, that's my favorite way. So uh, I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word. We're going to jump in. And Father, thanks for loving us and uh, allowing us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, we want to recognize your role um, in the church as a whole. Um, You are the teacher of the church, and we pray that you come now and fill our pulpit. Uh, Teach us from the inside out that we might see our need for Jesus Christ clearly this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We ask that in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, So guys, I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to read you the same passage I read last week. I'm going to read it again next week. And then I'm going to read it the week after. Uh, because everything we do these, these four weeks are all about um, this passage and, and this topic. Uh, this ministry of reconciliation. This thought of reconciliation. So here's what the Word of God says starting in verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything, all of this, is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Trespasses, sins against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And the title of the series is Gospel Partners. Um, Last week we talked about the first 
term in that. Uh, gospel this morning, we're doing the same deep dive. And then the following two weeks, we're going to talk about how we can be partners with God in this. And so this morning, there's four things that I want to share with you. I'm going to warn you from the onset. Uh, they're a little heavy, and uh, so we're going to do some, some theological. Uh, that, that just means thinking about God, big thoughts about God this morning. So four things I want to share with you. Here's the first. I want you to know uh, that God made us to be with Him. And deep down, we kind of know it, right? God made us, He created us to be with Him, and deep down, we know it. So, so the heart of the term reconciliation, guys, means this, okay? At one time, something was good, something was right, okay? But something has happened to make it not right, to, to break it apart, and so something now needs to happen in order to make it right again. And, and so this is our story, uh, our relationship with God is, is this. It, it, it once was right, it's been broken, it needs to be made right again. And so to, to get that, to grasp that, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. And, and here's what the Word of God says in Genesis chapter 1, uh, that we were made by God and we were made for God. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. That freaks some people out. Wait, I thought there was one God. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. And, uh, and so the Trinity, as we like to call it, talking amongst themselves, uh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And they will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock, the whole earth and the, the creatures that crawl on the ground. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. And God gave these first uh, people that he created, Adam and Eve, everything that they could want for life and sustenance and, and, and really to thrive, not just to live, but to thrive. They had everything that they could imagine was at their disposal. He places them in the Garden of Eden, uh, the most amazing place where, where we'll, we'll get to all that goes there. But he, but he gives them one rule. He's like, hey, I'm going to put you here. You're going to take care of all this cool stuff I just made. Uh, and there's only one rule. And, and, and here it is, it's Genesis two fifteen through 17. It says, The Lord God took the man, placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so, uh, they have everything that they need. It's an amazing place. And the best part of this amazing place is that God is there. Uh, in Genesis 3.8, we get a glimpse of this, though Genesis 3.8 is actually a tragic verse, which I'll talk about in the next point. Uh, but, but we also see a glimpse of the beauty of what creation was originally like. It, it says, the Lord God, uh, so then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. So I'm going to stop right there. Don't read the rest of the verse. It'll ruin it, okay? Because it gets bad right after that. Uh, but, but the point is that we, we were originally created. Adam and Eve were made. Mankind was made. To, to live with God forever and, and so that like God could literally just be like out on an evening stroll. Be like, hey, what's up? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Like, how was your day? I don't know. How was your day, God? And you start, you get to talk about it. Like, Adam be like, I don't know. It's pretty good. But the giraffes are kind of freaking me out. The, the neck, I mean, like, and then they're eating food. I can't eat. Could you get me some of that? Like, could I, is that, is that the tree you're talking about? No, that's not the tree, Adam. Like, you're just having life, doing life together. And that's how it was made to be. And here's what I'm going to submit to you this morning is there's some part of you that realizes and recognizes that. There's some part of you deep down that knows that you were made 
for so much more than what you experience here on earth. The, the, the book of Ecclesiastes puts it this way. It says, he's made everything appropriate in its time. He's also put eternity in their hearts. It means that God, in, in the heart of every man and every woman, has placed a yearning or a longing for eternal things, specifically for him. And so what we do, uh, many times, because we, we feel this absence, is we do our very best in life. We know that we're short of something. But we can't put our finger on it. So many of us spend our lives running around, turning to different somethings, hoping that if we get enough of that something, that it will fill the void inside of us. And then, eventually, like Solomon, we turn around and we go, that something is meaningless. It didn't work. I'm still empty. I'm still missing. I'm still lacking. I'm still lonely, right? And so this is where we begin, and this, this truth about this reconciliation thing is, is that at one time things were right, right? God made us to be with him, and, and deep down we know it. Second thing, though, is, guys, we have to understand that we've all rebelled against God's good plan, and we've become alienated from him. We have all rebelled against God's, uh, against God's good plan, and we've all become alienated uh, from him. And so Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, they thought that they had a better plan than God. Uh, they listened to the devil, uh, his crafty serpent, uh, in, in, this, in this record, and, and they believed that God was holding out on them. And so here's how it, it went down. I'm just going to read to you from Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, I notice he twisted that. God didn't say that. God, God said you can't eat from one tree. But, but he, man, he wants in on this conference. Did God say you can't eat any of this stuff? Are you kidding me? God's holding out on you, right? And her response is, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you'll die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, Serpent saying, hey, God is holding out on you. Well, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, that it's desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife, I'll put this on the screen. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And notice that last part. And they hid from the Lord their God. For the first time in all of creation, we don't know how many days this lasted, how many years this lasted, right? But for the first time, they chose to rebel against God and immediately, immediately something was off and they felt the need to hide. They felt alienated from God, from His love, from His provision. It was, it was, it was immediate. It, it happened and... Many of us like to say, well, Adam and Eve, oh, dumb people, can't believe. But we talked about this last week. If, if it were you and I, it probably would have been quicker, right? It would have been faster. I don't, I don't, I, I garden, like, give me like 30 minutes, man. 
30 minutes. My mom used to leave the house when I was a kid, and she'd be like, like, because my dad left when I was really, really young, so I was one of those latchkey kids. Y'all remember? Uh, how many of you are from the 90s? Anybody from the 90s-ish? You, you remember the term latchkey kids, right? So I was one of those. I rode the bus, you know, that kind of thing. Had my own key to get in, and, and so uh, when my mom would leave or whatever, I'm leaving in the morning, she'd be like, okay, now when you get home later, just know this and in the fridge or that, and she'd be like, and don't touch the oven. Y'all, I melted some things in that oven. She never knew. She never knew, right? Because the moment that you hear, don't do this, I, it would have been me. But, but we, we learned this last week. Man, we've all done this, right? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not just would we have done it, we, we do it. On a constant basis, we, we rebel against the good plan of God. We're like, no, we know better. No, God, I know what you say. You say I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Forget that. I'm getting them back. Right? They need to learn a lesson. And God's like, yeah, I'm the lesson teacher, not you. Right? And we blow it over and over and over again. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and unless you think you're above it, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. And listen, the result of this rebellion, the result of this turning away is separation. In the book of Isaiah, uh, God puts it like this. He says, indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear, but your iniquities, sins, are separating you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. That's what we mean when we say we've all rebelled against God's good plan. Right? We've all rebelled against God's good plan, and we're alienated from God now. So, so Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the garden. Right? They get kicked out of the garden, which is kind of this, this next, uh, next big idea. Because of this, we are destined to die God's enemies and spend an eternity separated from his love. So there is, uh, on our side, there's a problem with, with God and uh, the fact that he is perfect. And this perfect God can't have anything imperfect in his presence. So if you went back to Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, then he's going to literally remove them from the garden. And, and once they're no longer in God's presence, where, where God is is where his life is. So, so that's what God meant. He's like, the moment you sin, you're going to die. And they thought, well, well, I ate it. I'm not dead. And he's like, no, you are. Because now you can't be with me where I am, my life is. You don't get to experience the fullness of my love either. And so they began to feel lonely, and life got hard. And eventually, if they died that way, they'd be separated. They'd be alienated from God um, forever. Romans 3.20, um, and, and, and here's what I want to say. So we think that there's something we can do to fix that. Anybody a fixer in here? Come on, all husbands should at least raise their hand, right? I mean, all husbands, that's all we do. Our wives come to us and, and have a problem, and you try to fix it. Now, wives, how many of you are also fixers? And your husbands come with a problem, you're like, yeah, that's all you got to do, dummy. Um, right? And that's, I, I got you. I, like, we've all received that. And uh, we are fixers, right? And so, so we got to pause here at this point, because there's two really important things you need to know. Number one is the Bible teaches us clearly there, there is nothing we can do to fix this separation between us and God. There is no good work that we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. There's nothing we can do, right? And in fact, Paul would put it this way in Romans 3.20. He says, no one can be justified in God's sight by the works of God the law. Okay? There is no amount of good work that we can do that can change, that can fix sin. Alright? 
the wages of sin is death. And, and we're going we're gonna to cover that in a second. But there's no amount of good work that can, that can fix this. The second thing we need to know is that if we physically die in that state, then we will remain alienated or separated from God for an eternity. Because where God is, His life is. And the Bible calls this place a place where you, are, you can't feel the presence of God and you can't feel the love of God and you never will be able to for eternity. It refers to that place as hell. I think that's, like if I just came up with a, a word to go, yeah, something that is the lack of God's presence, the lack of God's love, and I have to be there forever. Can you imagine the hopelessness, right? The hurt forever. Yeah, that, that, that sounds, that hell's a good word for that, right? So that, that's, that's not awesome. But there is one last thing, and it's the beautiful part of the gospel, right? And it's this, this gets heavy, y'all. So take notes. You'll go back. You'll probably email questions. It's fine, okay? So, but Jesus fulfilled, that's how much God loves you. Jesus fulfilled all the law of God for us. He paid the penalty for our sins through his death, and he imputed his righteousness to all who believe. So last week we talked about the fact that God loves us deeply and we are a huge part of his plan and, and, and this, this, is, this is proof of, like we said, Jesus is proof of that. So listen, so, so God sent his one and only son to live the life that we couldn't. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, okay? Then he died, uh, the death that we deserve, the wage of sin is death, he died in our place. But then he also did something else. He imputed to us his righteousness. So I want to go through some of these things because they're just big. So let's start with fulfilling uh, the law, doing what we couldn't, right? Romans 8, 3 through 4 says, For uh, what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled. So when Jesus shows up, he says, listen, I didn't come to take away even a letter of the law. I actually came to fulfill it. And people didn't understand. They were like, wait a second, is Jesus bringing even more laws than the Pharisees have put on us? He's like, no, no, no. I, I've come to fulfill the law. So last week we talked about this big word called atonement. Uh, atonement, right? And so I said, when it comes to atonement, you need to think about two words. Number one, you need to think about covering. Okay, and number two, uh, you, you need to think about canceling. So covering, we did this little thing where you look at your hand and you're looking at all the lines on your hand you're, and we said, let those represent sin, let your eyes represent God. God says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who can stand in my holy place? And like, not, not me, I'm, I'm sinful. But Jesus came and he, he fulfilled the law. He, he did what you couldn't do and, 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 and if you believe in him, if you say, hey, I want you to come into my life, he actually covers you. Uh, he, he puts himself on top of you and, and he covers, he covers all, of that, all of that sin. So he does what you couldn't do for himself. So that's one part of atonement. The other part of atonement is, is this, this paying of your debt, right? And, and so what, 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 what do we owe? Well, the wage of sin is death, Right? And so he dies in our place. So it's huge. You're like, oh, that is awesome. Um, here's the only problem. If, that, if those were the only two components, we would mess it up again. Right? So, so just let's think. So the Bible talks about like there's heavenly accounts that God keeps heavenly records. So let's just say that there's an account and uh, I'll pick on my son. Um, so Connor's down here in front. And so we've got Connor's account. Great kid. Love him to death. Uh, he, like his father and mother, are sinners. Right? So we, we all are. And so God would look in his account and he'd be like, yep, uh, nope, nope, yeah, can't be with me forever, sinner, right? And, and so, uh, so, but he's like, yeah, but I believed in Jesus. And so if, if all that Jesus did was, was cover, well, hey, hey, I fulfilled the law for you and I've canceled your debt, that puts him back at zero, 
But he's still living. He's still going to sin. He's still going to fail. See, he doesn't just need his debt canceled. He also needs somebody, something given to him. And, and so that goes back to our verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is this ministry of reconciliation. This is this great thing that God has done for us. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the question is, how do I become the righteousness of God? So when I believe in Jesus, not, not only am I covered, not only is my debt canceled, but then, then God takes the righteousness of Jesus, who is eternal, lasts forever, it is perfect. He takes the perfection of Jesus and he, remember that account? He deposits that into my account. So in my account, he's removed all of the debt, right? It was debt that I could never pay. It, 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 like, it was debt that led to death. There was nothing I could ever do to make it right because I can't be justified. That means made just as if I'd never sinned. Doing good stuff doesn't eliminate the fact that I've sinned in the past. And so there is no way for me to remove the penalty. So Jesus says, hey, hey, I've, I've fulfilled the law for you. All right, I've removed the penalty for you. But in addition to that, now I am going to deposit into your account all of my righteousness, which never ends. Right? So uh, if we were going to kind of put it in terms that I think makes sense, uh, Powerball. Right? So you win. And you, you have two options. You can take the cash payout or you can take the lifetime payments. That's your call. I don't know how you budget. I don't know if you're a blower of money. But if you've never had a lot of money in your life, you might want to take the lifetime option because you might find uh, year one, you're a terrible budgeter and you waste it all. But you know, if you go in like $6 million a year installments, like you're going to be okay. You could blow $6 million in one year and they'll be like, we've got to do a little better next year, right? Like you could figure it out. So, I, so some people are going to take the lifetime payout. But here's the problem. That ends the day that your breath ends. But here's the cool thing about Jesus. The lifetime payout with Him is eternal. And so he says, I'm going to give you my righteousness and there is never a time that it will ever run out. It is an infinity payout. Hello. Imputed to me. And so when the Bible says if anyone is in, new, is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's because all of that stuff has happened. Right? It's because Jesus has covered me. He's canceled my debt. He's given me all of his righteousness. And now I stand before God as a child of God forever. And the righteousness will never stop. Ha! Isn't that awesome? The righteousness can never stop. I can never not be right. I can never not have a relationship with God. Now, I can mess up my fellowship. I can sin again. That's why Paul writes, or John writes, if anyone sins, right, he should confess his sin. Okay? And then God, God will not only forgive him, but will purify him of all unrighteousness. That's in the book of 1 John. So, whew, what do we do with all that? Now, what do we do with all that? See, I want to spend the next two weeks talking about your role in God's plan. But I can't unleash that kind of truth with you if you're not one of God's kids yet. Right? I, I could spend time talking about how, how the people of the kingdom and, and, and God's point for the gospel going forth and how he wants to use us to deliver this amazing... That's good news, right? Like, okay, there's nothing I can do, but God's done it for me. He's canceled my debt. He's given me all of his goodness so that now I'm a child of God, so that now I, I have a relationship with God again. 
Meaning that I can walk with God in the cool of the day. And while he may not physically be there, he is very much spiritually there. And I get to talk to God and say, what's up with the giraffes, God? How come I can't reach that fruit? It's like one day. One day. We'll get there. So what do, what do we need to do? There's one thing we need to worry about this morning. And then we'll get to the other stuff in the coming weeks. But here it is. Uh, one point of application. So we need to make sure we're reconciled to God. Okay? Heart of reconciliation. There was something that was once right. That was our relationship with God. We were made by God. We were made for God. And we were made to be with God. But because of our sin, because of the choices that we make, and we all make them, we've all sinned. Because of our sin, we were alienated from God. And if we were to die like that, it's really bad news. Because we would be separated from the love of God and the life of God forever. But God loves you so much that he sent his very best. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross for your sins. And anyone who believes in him, they get all this stuff. They get the perfect life of Jesus. They get Jesus covering their sin. They get Jesus canceling their debt. And they get Jesus depositing into their account all of his righteousness. And they get to become children of God. And that can be your story today. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is what church is about. And so this is what I want to do this morning. Um, I'm, I'm going to mess with Russell up there who's got my lights. Russell, can you dim the lights for me? Um, we're going to have a little time of prayer. And, and I do this. I, I, there's not any music. So this, don't think I'm trying to play on um, any kind of emotions. I, I, I could play a really sappy song right now. And, and it would just uncontrollably, the Holy Spirit would start to work. And you'd think, maybe my allergies are acting up. And then, and then no, it, exactly what happened. We're not doing that, okay? But here's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dim the lights. I do not want you to, to look at anyone else in the room. I have ADD, so if the lights are on, I'm looking at you all, okay? So just right now, in this quiet moment, I just want you to bow your head, and, and the Bible calls us to do some self-examination. And so here are some questions I just want you to ask of yourself this morning. Number one, have I really put my faith and trust in Jesus? That's not something you can do um, as, as an infant. You can't do that. You can't be born into that. There has to come a genuine point in your life that you recognize that you need Jesus Christ to save you. And so I'm just going to ask you simply, has there ever been a time that you said, Jesus, man, I need you to save me? You don't have to remember the exact moment it happened. You don't have, like, like some people say it, no. But do have, have, you, have you said at some point in your life, Jesus, man, take away my sin. Come and live my life, okay? If you have, that's awesome. Then I would, I would challenge you with this. Are you living as a new creation? Are you taking up this ministry of reconciliation thing we've talked about? Are you living for the kingdom? But for many of you, that question is more of a struggle. And so I just want to speak this over you. I feel that struggle. I was, I was baptized in high school, but I wasn't a believer. I was baptized because I was dating somebody. I, I, I got into a, a Bible study in college, and everybody thought I was a believer. I taught the Bible because everybody thought I was a believer. I had never truly said, Jesus, I need you in my life. And, and, and the evidence was so clear. When I finally gave up control, I knew at that moment that God was my father, that he was in my life. There was no questioning. And so if you're one of those people, there's been questioning, then, then today I'm going to challenge you to do what I did you know, 27 years ago. 
28 years ago. I just want you right now in your heart of hearts to say, God, I need you. I am tired of playing. I'm tired of acting like I have it all together. I need you to save me. I don't even know how it's going to work. I don't even know what it's going to look like. But I heard today that you can. I heard today that you can bring me into a relationship with the God who made me. It's just the best way I know how. God, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Holy, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of me. Be in control. I give you everything. I give. Here's the wheel. Man, just take it. Be the Lord of my life. Make me a child of God today. Amen.